Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know Employee Cycle, with that HR analytics dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people leaders get a better data-driven perspective of your workforce. We know when most of you are trying to get all this data of your employees, you're pulling it from a lot of different HR systems, trying to make sense of it, and you're always scratching your head thinking there must be a better way. Well, there is. Check out Employee Cycle. We're an HR analytics dashboard with a bunch of pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems you're using. So you simply connect your systems to our dashboard and we pull all your data together into one place so you can view, share, track, and analyze all that data from one unified view. Go to EmployeeCycle.com to check us out. We'd love to give you a demo to talk about how we can partner to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So help me welcome to the show, Tracy Cote. She's the Chief People Officer at StockX, which is a very cool company, by the way. And she's also an advisor at Zenefits. And today we're going to discuss demystifying HR to better understand the role. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Tracy! Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. So, Tracy, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Well, way, way back in my distant past, I was working in a grocery store, and I did some informational interviewing because I wanted to better myself, and HR looked like an amazing career path, and one thing led to another, and I ended up in HR, and I've never looked back. Awesome. And so, Tracy, today we're discussing the mystifying HR to better understand the role. And it's so interesting when you use the word demystifying because it makes it seem like HR is this black box that nobody understands. And maybe it is. So I want to get your perspective and your understanding around why HR needs to be demystified in the first place. Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about the world of human resources and what the profession is and what it is not. And so you know, my, my goal has been uh, for years and years to find ways to educate and explain what HR is, what it can be, and help HR professionals and aspiring HR professionals um, to be better at their role and learn how to um, make businesses better and drive a better employee experience. Now, when you say make businesses better, what exactly does that mean from an HR perspective? Because HR, by default, manages a large part of the business around the employee experience, which which we believe at Employee Cycle is the business, is the most important part of the business. But from your perspective, what does it look like seeing HR helping business become better? Well, you know, when... Uh we worked on this book. So I had a couple of co-authors, Jay Fulcher and Kevin Morasco, and I worked on this book called People Operations. Really getting the foundation right is critically important. So we're trying to explain to people in HR or small businesses, get system savvy, drive engagement, be more data-driven, which ties into employee cycle for sure. Uh, walk the talk and having a DEI approach that actually drives change and keep it real. Um, HR really should be part of the business, not 
separate or apart from it. And once you get these foundational people operations systems, processes and practices in place, you're freed up to do the work that really matters, the work that will drive employee experience. These things lay the groundwork for scale and growth. And then you get the data and metrics you need that give you the insights into the most important part of your business, which is your people. So one of the things that we like to do here, especially since we're talking about demystifying HR, is really demystifying some of the terms or maybe HR jargon that we'll use, but some people may not really fully understand what we mean. And so as you talk about employee experience, it's a very ubiquitous term, especially as people talk about turnover and performance, but then also the employee experience of working remote versus hybrid. But in your own words, what does it mean to have a great employee experience? And what is an employee experience in the first place? Well, I think employee experience is somewhat synonymous with the concept of employee engagement. It's kind of a more modern way to look at it. And it is around making sure that the that your people can bring their, their whole selves to work. So no more are people just seen as physical assets, you know, human resources. And that's why the evolution of the name human resources is even changing, right? So you've got human beings, they want to bring their whole self to work. That experience needs to reflect not only what your business needs, but what they need. And so the the company has to find a way to make sure that the employee experience from uh, pre-hire to hire to everything in between that happens before they retire. Um, what are all the things that happen in there that make it a place where they can be engaged, authentic, and productive and contributing to the business, but also developing their own personal, their own careers, their personal growth, all of those things. So one of the most interesting conversations that I like to have, and I think I actually talked about this on our last interview was the difference between HR and people ops. And because you said in your book that you specifically are talking about people operations and you recently just mentioned HR moving from people being looked at as resources, is there a difference to HR and people ops? I would love for somebody to finally put a nail in the coffin and say, this is what HR is, this is what people ops is, or is people ops just a fancy way to say that HR is now strategic and data-driven? Well, you know, it's funny. I do think the HR profession has suffered from somewhat of an identity crisis over the years. You know, it was personnel and it's human capital management and it's HR and now it's people operations or people experience. So I think part of this is the, the field that has been traditionally called human resources for the past, you know, 15 or 20 years it's evolving along with the needs of the business and employees' expectations. So I don't think it's as simple as saying, you know, HR is completely dead and gone and everyone's done with it. I think it's an evolution and different companies will start embracing new ways of thinking about their people and the teams that support them. And as they come along and become more progressive and think about HR in a new light, when they start digitizing and automating everything they can and really focus on that employee experience or that people experience by starting with what I would call the people operations function and moving into more human-centric programs and practices, including everything from you know performance management to learning and development to communications or DE&I, I think that's when companies start to make that shift in how they talk about it because it looks and feels a little different than what we traditionally have thought of as HR around a lot of administrivia, paperwork, 
rules and regulations. It's evolving. And as your company evolves along with the function, a lot of people are ready to rebrand it because they want to think about it in a different way and communicate its importance in a different way. That makes a lot of sense. So you wrote this book that I want to dig into a little bit. And first, I want to say that I'm in awe that you wrote a book in the first place. I am great at talking. So I'll do a thousand podcasts before I'll write a 10-page paper. Um, Anything longer than an email for me or maybe a PowerPoint deck, just way too much writing. So kudos to you for that. But I want to dig into this book and I want to talk about and ask you what inspired you to write it and why do you think it needed to be written in the first place? Why did it need to exist? So funny that you say that about writing. I'd much rather write than talk. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're good um, um, pair for each other. So, yes, we are. <laughs> so I have always wanted to write uh, a book about my profession. I've been doing, um, I've been in this field, the people related field for 20 years. And I taught, uh, I taught an HR class at San Francisco State University for about 10 years. And I had so much fun sharing my experiences, demystifying, quite frankly, the HR profession for all of these aspiring HR professionals. I felt like I had so much to say um, to help and support them so they could become great HR people in their professions and really drive that employee experience. Because a lot of it comes down to a philosophy. And if you've got the right attitude and philosophy and mindset, you can do amazing things. And in order to get things done, though, you need a framework. There's practical things, practical steps you have to take. And while I was working at Senefits, which is uh, an HR software provider, I I felt like we have so much to teach these businesses that are using our product. And the CEO and the CMO agreed, and we decided to start officially demystifying um, how to level up your HR function by thinking about it in a different way rebranding and providing a lot of practical advice, tools, tips, resources with the whole idea that we want to help other people, mostly small businesses and uh, people, professionals everywhere, companies of all shapes and sizes, have some practical tips for how to level up their function, how to do better with automation, diversity, employee engagement, all of those things. Who is this book for? Is this more for people looking to get into HR Is this most impactful for people who are at the early stage of their career? Or as you mentioned, is it really for people looking to level up their role and experience in HR where they've already been doing some stuff for a while, but now you're asking them to look at their role and you're looking to be that mirror to them and say, hey, I can do this much better than I've been doing it before. Yeah, you know, thanks for asking. It's a great question. I feel like because the book is really a start to finish guide to digitizing sort of everything within the HR world, I think it's applicable to companies at all stages. And we, we even included a model in there so you can evaluate where your team is at on that five stage, five level model. So you can figure out where you're at and that gives you a sense of where you need to jump in and, and focus your efforts everything from chaos to mastery. And I think it just provides a nice framework and way of thinking about leveling up the function, no matter how big the organization or what level you are in. And quite frankly, if you're a brand new HR professional and you're just new to it, it gives you a way to think about about the field and the company. And it's just a nice lens to look critically at 
whatever company you landed in and see where they are on that spectrum so you can help figure out how to prioritize and drive positive change. So you mentioned that HR has been through a little bit of an identity crisis going from personnel to HR to people ops to whatever whatever it will be next. But then on top of that, we're going through this huge transformation and change in perception of the HR role based off of COVID and how so many people realize that HR was the backbone of navigating companies through this pandemic and crisis. So where are we today? What does HR look like today? And where do you think they can get the most impact from your book today and what you're currently laying out as a framework? Yeah, absolutely. This is a moment that people, professionals everywhere need to seize. To your point, the pandemic forced businesses to think about their people in a new light. And I think we can agree that particularly for tech companies or companies that can have a hybrid uh, work model, remote work is here to stay. Um, the importance of your people and their mental health and well-being um, became much more important because you couldn't look away. And so I think what's next is HR and people professionals everywhere need to think about how do I seize this moment and carry this forward? And the way they're going to do that is they're, they're going to use a, my book or, or, a, or a, uh, a, some tools like yours or systems and processes. They're going to put things in place, that foundation, that solid foundation, so they can continue to build on that employee experience. This is the moment when CEOs and executives and business owners are watching to say, I don't really know exactly how we're going to do this next thing. This is where the HR and people teams need to jump in and say, we know how to get this done. Here's what we need. I think too often historically, HR teams have been afraid to ask for the investment that they need, partly because businesses don't always understand what they do. I think businesses are understanding a lot more what value the HR team or people team brings to the table. And uh, this is the moment to make that change. Some of these, some of the good changes that came out of COVID permanent. Because you have such a well-rounded perspective of HR and you've been doing this for a while, I want to ask you a couple of lightning round questions that could be fun. So the first question I have is what employee numbers should be HR? At a small startup. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you repeat your question? Oh, so you have your company and you're you're hiring your employees. At what size headcount should you hire your first person, your your first HR person? Uh, you know, I think you could start with your core immediate team. You have ten people. Somebody focusing on building the team and putting the systems in place wouldn't be out of line. Uh, I think most companies wait until they hit maybe 50 or 60 people before they start thinking about it. I I think that that uh, potentially does a disservice and puts you on your back foot going forward. So I'd say as soon as you can afford it, bring in an HR professional, um, even if it's somebody part-time, to focus on getting things off the ground and set up in the right way so you can scale and grow your business. I love that you're, I love that you're not taking a middle-of-the-road answer on these. And you're being opinionated. That's great. All right. Next question. If you had to choose between a person that had a lot of HR experience, but may not be as technologically savvy as you need them to be, or you had this person that was very tech savvy, data driven, strategic, 
but they came from a non-HR role, who would you hire as your head of HR at a small company? If those were your two options. I would hire the person who had the best attitude and a learning mindset. So I'm not sure. It would depend on the person, right? In a startup, you have to be all hands on deck, very scrappy. You do need to know what you don't know. Um, And I do think people from outside the HR profession can learn a lot of those things. Uh, So it would probably come down to who's going to be able to uh, drive the most positive change and the best employee experience and support the team. Awesome. Okay. This is a meta question here. Similar to a therapist where they're helping everybody think through all their issues and problems, but therapists have a hard time going to another therapist. I see that same parallel with HR. And so HR is looking to help all their employees, but who's there to help HR? So I ask you, as you're looking to support all of your employees at your company, what do you do to make sure that you're practicing self-care and that you're in the best mindset and taking care of yourself to make sure that you can take care of your workforce? <laughs> it's funny how people do equate HR with um, with therapy. I don't really see it that way. I see it as uh, another department in the business and a necessary one um, that touches sort of so many things. So I, w- I would say the advice I would have for HR and people professionals everywhere would be the same advice that I have for executives and leaders in other departments. Um, put on your own oxygen mask first. Make sure you're taking care of yourself personally. Make sure your team has what they need, and you will then be better able to support the company's growth. And then last question. What's a question that you wish every other podcast would have asked you, but they didn't? <laughs> I don't even I don't even know how to answer that. Okay, what's your next book? There we go. What's your next book? I am hoping to put together a book about building a community at work. Is that the trailer? That's it? That's the trailer. We don't a little bit more really? than that? Oh, my <laughs> God. So <laughs> short. It's about driving engagement, really focused on the employee experience. Everything from engagement to DEI to building community to setting your values to living your values, all of the things that encompass that employee experience. Um, I would love to figure out a way to put pen to paper and write a book about that in a way that demystifies it for, again, people, professionals everywhere. So they have a way to think about this and drive that employee engagement with 100% focus. Because after this book, they've got their systems set up and an idea around uh, driving engagement. The next book needs to be all about driving that employee experience. Awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that. I was hoping that I was going to get some real juicy details about the book. We can break the internet with breaking news about your upcoming book. But that was awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And Tracy, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest, for bringing all the wisdom, experience, and knowledge you've had throughout your successful HR career and sharing it on our podcast, as well as the book, to allow our HR community to become better, more data-driven, more strategic, and like you said, ultimately create a much better and compelling employee experience. So thank you so much for being on the show. Woo! Go Tracy! (laughs) Thank you, Bruce. Great being here. Um, So how can people find you and StockX in your book online? Uh, So I'm on LinkedIn, Tracy Cote, T-R-A-C-Y-C-O-T-E. And uh, I think links to everything is available there. The book's available on Amazon and uh, it's called People Operations. And you can just look it up by typing in People Operations and my name. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all those contact info in the show notes. 
So everyone out there, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Tracy and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and let us know what you thought was the best part of this interview. Also, if this is your very first time listening to one of our interviews and you came here because you're already a super huge mega fan of Tracy and you just had to hear what she was going to say, or you thought that this topic was very compelling, but now you're hungry for more episodes, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.